I don't know what I'm getting into, not from a physical aspect, but from a a spiritual perspective. Like, I don't know what I'm walking into, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And I feel like it ended up being a much simpler message than I was expecting, or I don't even know if expecting is the right, but like, a part of me was like, oh, this is, there's, this is going to be like some big revelation, you know? And it ended up being just like the quietest, most simple message of I am where I'm supposed to be. And that was what I needed. Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and Beach, and we're on a mission to create a better world. One of the ways we are doing that is by sharing meaningful conversations through this podcast with the endurance sports world. We hold the intention that after listening to 200, or maybe just one of these episodes, that no one feels alone again, because it is our experience that although our lives may appear different, our struggles, fears, and obstacles to happiness are exact. We have found that... Over the past four years of interviewing professional triathletes, age groupers, coaches, doctors, authors, yogis, and entrepreneurs, that we all have dreams. We all experience urges that arise from deep within our hearts, and in order to realize those desires, we must move through the fears and limitations that have kept us from realizing them thus far. Mary Knott is one of those trailblazers, literally, on account of her latest achievement of through hiking the Tahoe Rim Trail, and we are so excited to have her back on the show. She is the star of YTP episodes 50, 136, 157, and she is here to smack down her latest, perhaps her most epic adventure yet with us. Mary is an Ultraman athlete, a million-time Ironman triathlete, marathon swimmer, yogi, coach, and vet to her first love, animals. All right, so we just need to dive in here with this YT fixture. Mary Knott, my dear friend, welcome to the show. Thank or welcome you. back to the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've got you fresh off the trail. You're just home for like for a couple days. Yeah. Why don't you tell people about the Tahoe Rim Trail? What's the distance? What type of elevation are we talking about? Like, what's the landscape? Give us a little, uh, little rundown of of the geography. So um, the Tahoe Rim Trail is a, according to the app, 171.4 mile trail that um, goes all the way around Lake Tahoe um, up in the mountains. So you're not actually at lake level. Um, You're up in the mountains. So anywhere, you know, I would say we averaged, you know, somewhere from about 7,500 feet of elevation. Our max was about 10,300 Um, and you're in the forest, you're in the meadows, you're on cliff sides full of rocks, um, kind of a little bit of everything that you would expect in the mountains. What was the total elevation? Do you know what total elevation? I don't know, actually. Um, so the, the Tahoe Rim Trail Association has a really fantastic website and I used their resources a lot in planning and they have it sort of broken down into eight different map segments. Um, And each of those segments was anywhere from about 16 to 32 miles. Um, And for each of those segments, the climbing was anywhere from 3,000 to almost 5,000 feet. Um, And so I didn't, my days were not 
exact according to how they had the map broken down. Um, but I figure, you know, just on an average daily basis, I probably climbed between three and 5,000. And how many days did it take you to do it? Um, just under eight days. I was seven days, 19 hours and 22 minutes. So you're talking probably 30, somewhere in the, in the range of 30-ish thousand feet of climbing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> wow. Tell us about the first moment that this this dream got set on your heart. Uh, um, I raced the Tahoe Rim Trail 50 miler and I was trying to remember the year. I think it was about 10 years ago, um, maybe 2009. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but um, I was... I had gotten really into trail running and I had decided I wanted to do a 50 miler and I just, I loved the mountains. And so the thought of having that be my first 50 miler was very enticing. And um, from that moment, I have always loved Tahoe and just the energy in the mountains and on the trails there. And I've been back, I've actually raced that race four times. I've been back multiple times just to do some hiking on my own. Um, and that, that was the first time that I remember thinking about it. I remember talking to you in our first interview, um, when we were talking about your journey to Kona and you said that, you know, from a young age, you had this ability to just set your sights on something and remain focused. And what we were talking about at that time was you becoming a vet veterinarian. Was this a similar experience? Cause you're talking a decade. Yeah. And Yes and no. It was very similar in that that desire to hike the Tahoe Rim Trail never left my heart, but it felt like instead of being like a goal or something that I had to accomplish or conquer, it felt like a calling, like I'm going home to do this. And this is like this is where I'm going to find peace and find my, my center. It wasn't like, it didn't feel like a goal. It, it felt like just something I was supposed to do. Mm, like something you came here to do. Yeah. And perhaps maybe all that stuff was in prep for this. Yeah. <laughs> and the timing of this uh, adventure, was it, was it always planned for now? Or with the circumstances in the world and racing, was this just... Uh, just the, the cards fell perfectly. Yeah. You know, this is just one more example that everything works out perfectly all the time because I started planning this last fall. And I remember, Jess, when you and I raced um, Noble Canyon and then we did um, the Javelina 100K and I dropped out and I kind of just, my heart was just not in those races. Um, and then I... I signed up to do that 50 miler, um, the McDowell Mountain Frenzy in December as sort of a last ditch effort because we were trying to qualify to enter the lottery for the Tahoe Rim Trail 100 miler. And one of the things that we had talked about in my meditation session was just that, like I didn't, my heart didn't feel set on running the TRT 100 miler um, and that maybe, maybe I'd be happier just hiking the trail instead. And so um, when I didn't qualify, that was in December, I decided then that I was going to do the through hike and started planning um, the early stages of planning back then. Um, 
And it just, I mean, none of this COVID situation was happening back then. I never could have foreseen that the race would be canceled. And I mean, I still got to do the hike and that just, the timing was exactly as it should be. And it's really important that that this is more, because um, I see so much in this, it's not outcome oriented. You know, you're not, you're not focused on the outcome. Yeah. Whereas nobody's racing right now, right? And they're, they're trying to find out, you know, what it is they're, they're supposed to be doing. And, the, and we see it all the time. There's like the unknown and there's fear and doubt and uncertainty as to who they are as people. I love the shift of you still being able to pursue the Tahoe 100. You didn't qualify. There's a reason you didn't qualify and you can beat yourself up about not qualifying and whatever um, at Havelina or whatever it is, but you still can go do it anyway. Yeah. And that's, that's, oh, that's the process. Like, yeah, you're going to do the, the, the steps necessary. You're going to plan the nutrition and everything that you need, but it really is about the journey. And it's a really about, um, shifting that focus. Maybe it wasn't even a big shift, but just to what you can pull out of this adventure and what you can pull out of yourself when you're dropped into that experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's so profound at this time. <laughs> I do. I, there's not really a question. It's really just, uh, just to see that people that don't, don't have that answer. This is the very yeah. thing that you can do. Yeah. There's so many things that we can do. I mean, we don't need we don't need to race. There's tons of adventures <laughs> to be had every single day. <laughs> uh, how did, if at all, did, because you, you basically moved to Carlsbad <laughs> and like quarantine hit. Yes. Trails were closed. How did that, if at all, affect the prep for this race? Um, race. <laughs> adventure. <laughs> that's, that's a, a, that's yeah, a neural pathway right there. <laughs> Um, you know, I didn't really, honestly, I, when I look at like how I have trained for things in the past, like getting ready for this hike, I didn't feel like I was getting ready to hike the Tahoe Rim Trail. I just felt like I was running and swimming and biking and kind of like doing all the things I would normally do. Um, and once a week I would go and hike with my weight vest for two hours up and down a hill, um, which was very specific training. Um, but I don't feel like when I approached my daily exercise that I went into it thinking, okay, I'm doing this to get ready for Tahoe. I felt like I could go out at any day and start Tahoe and it would be okay. I didn't feel like I had to do anything to prepare for it specifically. So when we have a calling like that, like you said, you felt like you had a calling and we're at, whenever we're drawn somewhere, it's really because we've got, we've got some karma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've experienced this so many times. Um, and um, <clears throat> did, were you aware of that? Like, were you aware of some, something deeper, something bigger that was um, needed to come to the surface were you aware of that leading into it? And was there any part of that that was like, was there any hesitation there? Like, oh boy, what is it? <laughs> um, I did have that in my awareness just from the work that we've done. I was like, I don't know what I'm getting into. 
and, you know, just not from a physical aspect, but from a, a spiritual perspective, like I don't know what I'm walking into, but I know that I'm supposed to be here. And I feel like it ended up being a much simpler message than I was expecting, or I don't even know if expecting is the right, but like, I, I don't know, like a part of me was like, oh, this is, there's, this is going to be like some big revelation, you know, and it ended up being just like the quietest, most simple message of I am where I'm supposed to be. And that was what I needed. Mm-hmm. Do you think you'll take that message into all circumstances? Yes, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. it's... I mean, that's... We are where we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into the... Let's get into yeah. the... Uh, let's get onto the trail. Let's get into the dirt. Let's get into the planning. Like, let's start with the planning. Okay. Yeah. How did the planning... Like, what, what's involved in the planning? Because you're a... Um, an Ironman athlete, yeah. uh, swimmer. I like to plan. Yeah, you, you do like the plan. Okay. Yes. So, what what level of planning is is needed for something like this? Um, you know, there's there's two levels. You have to like plan the logistics to some degree, and I didn't have a time frame other than um, my parents' fiftieth wedding anniversary was um, June twenty seventh. So I was in Iowa for that. I flew home to San Diego on the 28th and was home for about mm, eight hours and then got in a car and drove up to Tahoe on Monday morning to start the hike that afternoon. Yeah, I was like, wait, what? I, know. I think I'm like, hold on. I got to go over and take care of the cats today. Yeah. I'm like, I would, I would have been like, I need four days laying down. You just like... You just kept it going. There you were was like, no, yeah, I get into that trail. Yeah. And I, <laughs> I mean, I wish that I had um, been able to like take a month off, you know, and just like n- really not have any timelines, but um, rent has to be paid. So um, I do have work scheduled um, starting next Tuesday. So that was like, I knew once I started the trail on Monday, I knew I had um, essentially 13 days to get through the miles and have time to drive home before work. Did that ever put pressure on you? Um, Only once. um, There was, like, when we we started hiking and everything, like, was going along really smoothly, and then um, the person that I was hiking with on our second morning, so we started at about 5.15 at night on Monday, Um, So Wednesday morning, so we had done one full day. Wednesday morning, um, he threw out his back, stuffing his sleeping bag into his stuff sack in camp. Um, And at that time, I was like, oh, darn it. Like, I'm 24 miles in. Like, I'm so ready to do this whole trail. And now, like, he's injured. We have to go home. Um, we were a mile from a trailhead that we had crossed through the night before. So um, once he was able to like get himself into an upright position, we hiked back out to the trailhead and um, I took an Uber to get the car to come back and, and get him. And as we're hiking out, he says, well, he says, why don't you go get the car and I'll just wait at the trailhead. And then when you get back, you can start hiking again and I'll just follow you around in the car. And I was like, A, that's 
an amazing gift. Like, thank you. And B, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, oh, thank God I get to keep going. So (laughs) you're amazing though. Like you were willing to put that, put this aside for the betterment yeah. of someone else. You know, I it was his back. He was like going to be sleeping in the car. I was like that's not going to be comfortable. He's like no, it's going to it'll be fine. It'll mm. be it'll it's great. It's going to be fine. So that's amazing. Um, that then he gave fine. you that space to yeah. do that. Okay, so now you're on your own. Now I'm on my own. Karma says, higher intelligence. Mary says, no, you're supposed to do this solo. But you're yeah. not really alone, right? Did you have the dogs with you? Um, no. So once he left okay. the trail, he took the dogs with him. Um, just because logistically, we had to we had to keep all of our food and everything in a bear canister. And so, um, you know, when there's two of us with two bear canisters we could each like take one dog's food rations and like shove it in for storage overnight. Um, but I mean, I, I didn't have enough space to. You were so supposed to be, well, not supposed to, I don't believe that from what I, from what I have been taught, it's things aren't the way they're supposed to be. Things are the way we created them to be. So your higher self was like, "Mm -mm, solo, no pups, no, no, hiking partner, just yeah. you. Yeah. Wow. So now you're stripped away of communication, of unconditional love, love from the dogs. <laughs> and um, yeah. And so you start going. Um, what was that like? Like going, like hitting the trail by yourself, knowing that you were going to be able to do this on your own? Um, I feel really guilty saying this, but um, part of me was really glad because when I started planning this, you know, last fall, um, I did think that I was going to be tackling it alone. And um, while I was more than happy to have my partner come with me on that journey, I think for me, it was just, it, it was meant to be that way. I was meant to be quiet out there. Yeah. How heavy was your pack? Um, you know, I weighed it once and it was at 25 pounds. Um, and then I added a couple more things to it and some water. <laughs> so I think somewhere between 25 and 30. Was there anything that you didn't have with you that you wish you had with you? I don't think so. Was there anything that you carried that you just basically carried and never used? Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and things that I like maybe used once and then I was like, I don't want these anymore. Um, what were some, so somebody who's listening to this, cause I know we've got some people who are interested in this kind of adventure, yeah. like these solo adventures. What were some of the things that you just were like, oh, you know, what? I actually didn't really need this. Yeah. You know, in the, in the planning process, um, so Hilton has done like a few of these long multi-day hikes before. Um, And so he has quite a bit of experience. And as we're packing and sort of laying out gear, he was like, you need this, you need this, you don't need this, you don't need this. And so I had, I mean, I felt like I had it pared down to pretty well the bare minimum. But I had, um, you know, basically for clothing, I had two t-shirts, two sports bras, two pairs of socks. Um, And then I was carrying a down jacket, 
Um, I had a rain jacket. I had a thermal layer. And I used all three of those things every single day. Um, And he made me get rain pants, like waterproof rain pants. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I am never going to wear these. I wore them every single day. They were like the greatest thing. They were so lightweight. They were the nicest thing to put on at camp at the end of the day. Like take off my gross, sweaty clothes and just like have a clean pair of pants. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I also had a pair of tights and a long sleeve base layer and a long sleeve cooling top. And I never took them out of the Ziploc bag. Um, I had some... Smart wool um, leggings and tank top that I like thought I was going to sleep in, and my skin was so irritated from all the dirt that I I had to sleep naked at night because just having that fabric against my skin was it was too irritating. It was too much. Did you have anything to like soothe your skin? Um, At some point, so after he left the trail, he could kind of intersect me. You know, usually we would try to plan where I was going to sleep at night so it would be like near a trailhead or a road or something where he could access. Um, So he did bring me some Benadryl cream, which was good. (laughs) Yeah. What were some other things that um, cropped up that were sensations of discomfort? Oh my gosh, my feet. (laughs) How many pairs of socks did you have? Two. I only had two Two pairs of socks, yeah. Yeah. So I had a pair of Injinji's and I had a pair of, um, I think they're like darn tough, just wool hiking socks. Um, and I love them. They're my favorite hiking socks. I've worn them like all the time, but I think just wearing them for 12 hours a day, that many days in a row, they were just like wool and then absolutely covered in dirt and just having that trapped against my feet. Oh, I still have, like, it's getting much better, but I still have, like, this rash on my feet. <laughs> what about shoes? What shoes did you have? Um, I wore a pair of hiking shoes um, by Merrill. They're called the Moabs, um, and they were great. I loved them. And then I did carry my um, Ufos. They're super lightweight, mm-hmm. and I was, like, thrilled to have something to put on at the end of the day. Oh, so. yeah. How are those in Gingies? Because I, I wear in Gingies on yeah. the trail and people rave about them, which is why I got them. How did they fare? You know, I like them, but I think they were just a little bit too thin for the terrain. And so my feet, when I was wearing the in Gingies, they, they're not wool. So they were like maybe a little less itchy on my feet, but um, I feel like my feet slid around a little more in my hiking shoes. And so... It just wasn't quite as comfortable. So what kind of um, techniques and tools did you use to uh, navigate this discomfort? Because like, oh gosh, like the irritated skin and the irritated feet. And I mean, that could pull somebody off the trail. Yeah. Um, Number one, my hiking poles were like my savior. Um, Had I not had poles, I'm not sure I could have physically covered the distance in 13 days. Like, I think it would have taken me significantly longer. Um, by the end of each day, I, I mostly, up until the last two days, I hiked anywhere from 11 to 12 hours a day. Um, and that's, I mean, there's breaks in there for, you know, snacks and food and whatnot. But um, by like the last three to four hours of the the day, 
I would be putting all of my weight on the poles if I was descending. <laughs> mm, yeah. What? Um, so the poles were good. They Any were good, yeah. mantras that you used? Uh, yours. Yes. What? Um, all day <laughs> for like three days in a row. Um, <laughs> I can do miraculous things with very little effort. Oh, dude, I love that yes. one. Isn't it the best? <laughs> it was completely the best. <laughs> oh, yay. Yes. And you were doing miraculous things. Yeah. Um, what kind of poles did you have? Uh, they were black diamond and nothing special. They're just, um, they're like a telescoping pair. And so you can adjust the height. Um, they had little rubber foot caps on the bottom of them. I've lost one of them in the rocks. Um, but the murder stones. The murder stones. Yeah, let's talk about the rocks. Uh, I did Noble Canyon with you and um, yeah, we did you know a little. My, you know my love of rocks. <laughs> we did a little mini podcast on that. Um, yeah. Did you anticipate the the rocks that you uh, came up against? came up. I don't want to say against because that that, yeah. that says that there was a fight, but maybe there was a bit of a fight. Um, you know, I knew the only the only real exposure I had had to the trails prior to this was um, on that east side. So like actually the Nevada side where the Tahoe Rim Trail Ultra is held. And those trails are just my dream come true. Like dirt, pine needles, you know, soft, exactly where I want to be for like eight days. Um, and I knew it wasn't going to be all like that, but um, I was not prepared to have 17 miles. At, well, yeah, it was about 17 because I did two miles at the start um, that did not have those rocks. But there was basically one full day of that's all that it was, was rocks. And anything from like giant river rocks where you're like sliding around and you can't really find purchase to large, sharp chunks of shale that are just stabbing the bottom of your feet. And then you're climbing over boulders and, you know, it was just 17 miles of rocks. <laughs> so we know you don't love rocks. Uh, what's the mindset as you're traversing them for like an entire day. Cause we, anybody who follows Mary, then you saw that beautiful post oh, that yeah. you wrote that day, which BJ was talking about before you actually came over. But um, yeah, how, do, how are you navigating that day? Cause that sounded like, was that your toughest day? It was physically, that was the All hardest right, let's day. Let's dive into that day. Um, that was, so that day um, I was in Desolation Wilderness and so Desolation Wilderness is a, it's, it's about just under 30 mile stretch where there's really no access by car. There's no dirt roads. You are, it's desolate. I mean, that's a perfect description for it. Um, and so I knew that like that 36 hour stretch, roughly, I was going to be completely alone. And um, it was so beautiful the entire way. And so even as my feet are killing me, <laughs> um, and I was cursing the rocks at the same time, like I couldn't be upset or angry or anything other than completely grateful because my eyes were wide open and just completely like, this view the whole day. I mean, 
I can't even describe to you Lake Aloha. Um, I hiked past that about six miles into the day and it was like being on another planet. You just like come around the bend and there's this amazing lake with this water that's like turquoise and all of the surroundings, because in Desolation Wilderness, you're not in the forest. You're like on the edge of a, you're on the mountainside, um, on a cliffside. So um, I like to think of it Actually, if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon, it's sort of the difference between South Kaibab and Bright Angel. Bright Angel, you're on the inside of the canyon. You're very protected and you're kind of like, you know, maybe there's a few trees and it it feels very safe. Whereas South Kaibab, you are on the outside of the mountain, on the outside of the canyon, and you're hanging on a cliff. It's very exposed. It's very raw and it's I absolutely love that trail. That's my favorite trail in the Grand Canyon. But it's it's kind of the same thing. Like you're not in the forest. You're on the outside of this cliff. The entire mountainside is rocks. Um, some bits of the trail are very, very narrow. Um, so you can just like, if you're not paying attention or you're a little tired or whatever, you could like slip, <laughs> slide down the mountain. Um, but you just like wind around mountain after mountain after mountain and these gorgeous lakes, like around every corner, there's like a new lake, like dozens of them. And it's so beautiful. Were you able to jump in at any time? Um, are they, I mean, are they, they're probably safe to get jump in. Yeah. Probably super clean. Yeah. Crystal clear. Um, the one, most of the time I just soaked my feet and my legs Um, I did swim in Watson Lake, which, uh, it was before Tahoe city, I think I can't remember exactly like what day that was, but, um, I got to this campground at night and it must've been July 3rd. There was like a lot of families that had come down to the lake for the day and they were just like, you know, kids and dogs and they're barbecuing and I get to the lake in the evening and there's like 10 dogs in the water swimming and everybody's kind of just like gathered around on shore talking and um, Hilton was there and of course our dogs are in the water swimming. Uh, So I like get over there and I like toss my pack down. I'm like, I'm going swimming. (laughs) They're like, there's leeches in that lake. I was like, I don't even care. (laughs) I was like, you can pick them off me later. I don't even care. I am swimming. (laughs) I did not get leeches. <laughs> oh, good. That was okay. everybody wanted. I'm glad you answered that because everybody like, oh my god, did she did she get leeches? Did she not? Was it worth it? Oh yeah. <laughs> so that day that you had all those rocks and everything, you shared a really beautiful post on Instagram. Um, share with us that kind of the, that revelation or those pieces of wisdom that you put together because what you're describing is. It's like contrast. That is, you are in mass contrast with the be- like the physical of yeah. the earth, right? Like the harshness of the terrain and then the just the, the jaw-dropping beauty. Of, beauty. Yeah. yeah, and I think um, there, there were a couple of posts, but I think the one that comes to my mind um, at least is the one about not getting to choose and just embracing all of it and... In any aspect of our life, we don't we don't get to choose not to live a moment just because it's difficult or it's hard or we don't like it. Um, you don't. There's no pause button. There's no fast forward. So, 
I mean, I can probably look back on my life and think of times, many, many times that I resisted or fought against something that was difficult, you know, a hard moment or a challenge or whatever, whether that be jobs or relationships or family or whatever. But I think some of the things that are the hardest are often some of the things that are the most beneficial for our growth. And, you know, being out on the trail that day and having my feet be in just absolutely excruciating pain for about 10 hours, but yet be completely delighted by the scenery, it felt to me like that was exactly where I was supposed to be. And I needed to have that experience of allowing my feet to hurt. And I mean, I never once thought about stopping. I never once thought about quitting just because my feet hurt. It was just like, I don't get to choose what terrain I'm walking on. I am here to do this trail. And if it's rocks for the next 100 miles, it's going to be rocks for the next 100 miles. And I need to allow that to be okay. What does allowing feel like? Very peaceful. And I think that was, that was the message that I was supposed to learn um, being out on the trail. And that was, I mean, when I said it was simple, it was so simple. Um, I feel like probably a lot of people know, but probably a lot of people don't know. Um, in the last 18 months, I have upended my life. <laughs> um, I left a relationship of 15 years and um, I moved to California one day before the lockdown hit. And it's been challenging. I mean, in the last three months, or maybe it's been longer than that since March, um, there have been moments where I have doubted, like, did I make the right decision? Did I make a mistake? Like, I walked away from a great job. I walked away from a community where I was surrounded by friends and, you know, people that I could call and, you know, just hang out with and moved to a city where I basically knew you guys. (laughs) (laughs) And that was about it. (laughs) So there was a lot of um, uncertainty or... I guess I felt unsettled more than anything. And um, I think just having that experience on the trail, what I walked away from knowing was that I absolutely made the right decision and that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Mm. And when I got off the trail on Tuesday afternoon, we had lunch and then we got in the car and drove home. (laughs) Um, And I couldn't wait to wake up in my own bed and smelling the salty sea air and just knowing that I was at home. Wow. That's, <laughs> that's so, um, it's so not the norm when everything on paper, everything on paper says, why would you even do that, Mary? Like, why would you even do that? Yeah. Like the job, it, like the lifestyle, the people, 
Um, but yet you keep going. Yeah. And that, um, I'm not surprised that on this trail, like you, you might've found maybe more belief and power in yourself. Um, and those doubts and fears are just, they're so normal. Yeah. They're so no- Once we make big decisions, all that stuff comes flooding in. And what most people do, it's, it's, I mean, we feel it. What most people do is they stop. Yeah. They get paralyzed and then they start yep. rolling back. Um, but you didn't, you didn't. And in those moments, um, in those moments to keep going forward and to, uh, to feed that power that you've had, do you feel, do you feel like a sense of, um, a heightened sense of vulnerability now? Um, meaning you're allowing, like you're allowing that sensation to come into your, your feet. Like you're just allowing these things to happen and you, you, you sort of have to have a level of vulnerability. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say that word, um, vulnerability, because we talk about when we see something in someone else, it's because it's in us. And, um, there was a girl that I connected with on the trail and she was um, another female through hiker doing it all by herself. And I hiked with her for parts of three different days. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and what I really saw in her and appreciated about her was her ability to be vulnerable. Um, And it's such a contrast to being out on the trail and being alone. You know, you you think I have to be 100% prepared so I don't die and I have to like not be afraid and I have to, you know, look this part so that I don't give female hikers a bad name and... I got to see her be a little bit afraid and be vulnerable enough to ask for help when she needed it. And it was such a beautiful thing. Like she was, she was just an amazing person. And um, I'm really grateful that I got to Hmm. meet her. Yeah. I think this Allowing and vulnerability is such an important topic for us to discuss as much as we possibly can because as athletes, like we are so good at pushing through. We are so good at like, I got this, I got this. And we're actually even yelling at people, you got this, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I got this, you got this. And this idea of um, of allowing, you know, one of my other favorite mantras is like, I'm not the doer. I'm yeah. not the doer. I don't have to do this alone. You know, my physical body, my physical strength, the fibers in my muscles is a very small percentage of what's available to me when, when I'm out there um, or in, in any day um, in my life. And um, I think that this allowing is a big piece uh, because we know that we can show up and we can do the work, yeah. right? Like we know that. Yeah. But if we're just doing, 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 we're only doing 50% of the job. Mm-hmm. The other half is opening up, allowing in. And I yeah. really think that that's where, and maybe uh, I'll ask you, do you agree that when we do kind of crack the vault, open mm. up, we soften a little bit, Yeah. Um, especially as female athletes, we carry a lot of that young energy, that that's actually what will open us up to that greatness. For sure, yeah, for sure. Because after I left her on the trail, 
I think I had my best three days Mm. on the trail. And I, I think that some of that was just what she brought into my journey and being able to, you know, take what I had already learned on the trail and then just expand that even to the next level. Hmm. What did you bring to her experience, do you think? (laughs) Food. (laughs) (laughs) That was my next topic. I wanted to talk about nutrition, but did she need, like she was in need of some food? So I met her. So the day that I came out of um, Desolation Wilderness, we had planned for Hilton to meet me at this trailhead that he could access. And um, so I got to him... When I got to him, I had already done 17 miles by lunchtime that day, and um, I was feeling great. And so I knew, like, I'm going to stop and we're going to keep going. Um, but he made this, like, amazing spread of food, and, you know, I took my shoes off, and I was just going to, like, hang out for an hour, an hour and a half. And we're on one picnic table, and she sort of, like, rolls up and sits on another picnic table and we can hear her making phone calls and she's like desperately trying to reach some friends that she was supposed to connect with. She had already been out on the trail for, I think it was eight days. So I'm four days in. She had already been out on the trail for eight days and um, she had anticipated running into these friends because they were going to resupply her food. Um, And she was just... She'd already, from that um, trailhead, she'd already hiked farther up the trail an additional five miles to where they were like maybe supposed to be and they weren't there. So she hiked back. So she, she had like 10 bonus miles that day of terrain that like then she covered again. Mm. <laughs> um, but, you know, at some point we started talking to her and you know, we're like, do you need anything? Do you, like, he had to leave the trail. He's not hiking anymore. We have all this extra food. Take whatever you need, you know? And at first she was like, oh, you know, I'll just, um, you know, maybe maybe I'll take a dehydrated meal or two or whatever. Um, she ended up, so she hiked with me another 11 miles that day. Uh, we met him at a dirt road junction and he brought us pizza for dinner. <laughs> So oh, she had God, pizza. was that heaven? <laughs> that was amazing. Um, and then the next day, um, we hiked together that day. And um, at some point we split up, but ended up at the same campground that night. And so then the next morning, which was July 4th, we hiked into Tahoe City. Um, so we had five miles to get into Tahoe City. We got there early. We had breakfast. And then I hit the trail again right away because I knew I had a big day to cover. Um, and she ended up hanging out there with Hilton, went through all of the excess food that we had and we like restocked her supply and she went grocery shopping for extra snacks and stuff that she needed. But, um, yeah, I feel like we were able to help her out with some food. 
Yeah. So there's, you know, talking about like the karma Um, and somebody who's listening might be rolling their eyes to this and and that's totally fine. We always say take what resonates and and leave the rest, but that you were, there was some kind of contract there. There was, you know, I look at that as like a soul contract. There was something there that you were, you needed to be, both of you, you and Hilton needed to be in service of her, Mm -hmm. that perhaps her soul was in service of yours at some point or maybe on the trail. Yeah. Right. Like what she offered you. Um, Okay. Let's dig in a little bit more more to food. Did you have like calculations of how many calories you're going to be taking or were you just going on feel or just smashing it in the bag and hoping for the best? um, A little bit hoping for the best. (laughs) Um, In the Sierra Nevadas, you have to carry some type of bear canister. And um, I did... In, in my research ahead of time, um, there's basically two options. You can buy this like big plastic container that has a locking lid and you basically just like hide it somewhere away from your tent at night and hope that a bear doesn't get into it and roll it down the mountain or down a river or whatever. Um, the other option is that you can put everything in a dry bag and then like try to toss it over a tree branch and hang it. The problem is in a lot of places there are no trees and the trees that are there are these, you know, super tall, skinny um, pine trees. And there are no low branches or, or branches that are high enough to keep it out of bear's reach um, or low enough that you could actually like throw it over. I mean, I, I never saw a branch that was like below 20 feet. And I'm sorry, I can't. Throwing is not my strength. <laughs> so that was like not going to happen. Um, and everything that I had read ahead of time, you know, people were like, the the bear bags don't work. You need a canister, like just suck it up and carry the canister. Um, and they're heavy, they're super heavy, which adds weight to the pack and all of that. And you're limited in what you can pack in it. Um, so I knew that at the halfway, roughly the halfway point in Tahoe City, I'd be able to restock um, snacks and things like that. You know, bars, they have a grocery store, so you could go in and buy like some basic things. Um, it's It was the dehydrated meals I wasn't sure if they were going to have. Um, so I wanted, I think I took seven days worth of dehydrated meals just so I would have something for dinner at night. Um, and then... I started with the seven days of dehydrated meals and about four days or five days worth of what I was going to use for breakfast and snacks, which didn't feel like much. (laughs) (laughs) And that all fit in the bear canister? It has to, yeah. So is it in the bear canister? The bear canister is a a foldable thing or is it like um, metal, like hard? It's hard plastic and it's about... How tall is that? Maybe 36 inches mm-hmm. um, and diameter, you know, maybe, maybe a foot 12 to 15 inches in diameter. So it's not, it's not super big. Um, I had the BV 500 for anyone who is um, interested. I think it's like Bear Vault 500. They make several different models, but um, I got that at REI. And that was, honestly, I got that particular one because it was available. There was another model that had better reviews, but um, 
I, I couldn't get it in time. Well, so. the, it worked. Yeah. Oh, it worked just fine. Yeah. <laughs> You're here. Did you hear any bear? Yeah. Let's, yeah. Uh, no. Did you see any wildlife? Um, I saw deer. I saw a rattlesnake, which was uh, scared the crap out of me. Um, <laughs> was he in the rocks? Uh, he was like slithering across the trail. And um, yeah, I was just like, traipsing down the trail, like in my own head, probably like singing or something. And I almost was going to step on him and I heard him and I was like, (laughs) 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 so I backed up a few feet and just like waited. And he kind of like, he was, he was across the trail and then started to like climb up on these rocks. And so I just waited until he was done moving and he like shook his tail at me, turned around, looked at me a few times and then I, once he like stopped and was calm, then I like gave him a wide berth and went all the way around yeah. so as not to disturb him. <laughs> Anything else? Any amazing birds? Owls or? Um, I did hear some woodpeckers at night. Um, at least I think they were woodpeckers. Um, there was a lot of birds, lots of birds singing. Mm. Um, squirrels, deer. The girl that I mentioned, um, she did see a bear at Lake Aloha when she was camping. Um, what kind of bear? Black bears? Black Do they have bears. grizzlies there? No. No. No, no, black bears. Okay. So it took you seven days. Did you, was that about what you thought it was going to be? Yeah. Um, when I was doing all the research, it kind of, like, I, everything I came across was like seven to 10 days is a pretty good time span to cover the trail. And I thought, you know, 20 miles a day, that's about, that's about eight days, a little over eight days. Um, so I thought that was, sounded about right. Um, I will say in the beginning, probably like maybe day three, three to five, um, I was moving a bit slower and I, there were, there was a point where I was like, crap, I actually don't know if I'm going to make it off of this trail before I have to go back to work. Um, but you made it off plenty. Oh yeah. Plenty of time. Yeah. It seemed to like, I mean, part of it is you kind of just get used to walking for 12 hours a day. And so I just very naturally picked up speed in the back half. Um, and the train was much more gentle, um, on the East side. So can you recall any moments you felt, well, two things. One, you felt the most alone. And two, just absolute silence. Hmm. This is probably going to make sense to some people and maybe not to others, but I think I felt the most alone in Tahoe City. Most days out on the trail, I would see other hikers um, or mountain bikers a lot on the like south and west sides. Um, So the PCT and the TRT are together through Desolation Wilderness for about maybe 30, 40 miles, something like that. Um, And there was quite a few hikers out. once I got to the east side of the lake, um, there was one day I only saw four people and they were kind of all in the same spot. 
So like in nine hours, I saw basically like one group of people. (laughs) Um, But on the trail, I never felt alone. Um, I felt like the people that I was interacting with, even if there was only like a couple a day, like you're, you're kind of kindred spirits in a way, you know, um, you're all out there for, for some similar purpose. And when I got to Tahoe city, um, you kind of get dumped off the trail into this neighborhood and then you cross the main highway and you go up through this other neighborhood to get back on the trail. And I remember like, I, I sort of like come down off the trail and it like opens up and there's like five different pathways. And I'm standing there like looking around going, I have no idea where I'm supposed to be going because there's no signs. <laughs> and there's this woman And she was very typical of, um, this is very, I'm going to stereotype right now, but um, she was very like typical LA. She was like dressed in this pristine white um, top that she was walking in. She had her coffee. She had her big, huge sunglasses on. And she was just like standing there just standing there and like, it's clear that I'm lost and I don't know which way I'm supposed to be going. And she, she's almost like glaring at me. Like, well, you're a dirty girl. I'm dirty. I smell. I haven't <laughs> don't come anywhere near me. Yeah. You don't get that shit on my pristine yeah. white shirt. <laughs> so I was like, okay, she's not going to help me. So I get my app out and I figure out which, which way I'm supposed to be going. And like, I, I literally, she's, she's literally standing exactly where I need to walk. So she could have been like, oh, Hey, are you looking for this? You know, and like, no, she just glared at me as I walked by. She wanted nothing to do with you. She wanted nothing to do with me. (laughs) And then it was just like, it was loud. It was noisy. It's 4th of July. Everyone's out. Like, you know, the the waitress in the cafe, um, you know, she brings our check and she's like, I'm just going to leave this here. No rush. And then literally three minutes later, she comes back. And she's like, oh, I'll take this. And I was like, oh, I, I hadn't gotten my card out yet. I was like, oh, uh, let me grab my money. She's like, yeah, it's 4th of July and we have people waiting. I was like, okay. <laughs> there's the contrast again. Yeah, 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 there's the contrast. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, I feel like I experience that every day. <laughs> oh my God. I don't belong here. Yeah, there was definitely a sense of I didn't belong. You can feel, you can, I mean, I can, you can be in the middle of a very crowded area and feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, um, I don't know, that, that kind of aloneness is like almost preferred. Yeah. Right. So, um, what do you think this is preparing you for? I don't know. I mean, everything, nothing. Mm. Do you have anything else in in your sights? Um, Well, actually, next summer, um, this this has already sort of been in the works, um, but next summer I want to do the swim across Lake Tahoe. And um, there's three different 
options. Um, if I go lengthwise, which is what I'm anticipating, it'll be 21 miles. Um, but there was like two days where as I was hiking, I basically had like a 360 degree, 365 degree view of the lake the entire time that I was hiking. And I could sort of just like envision how amazing that would be. That lake is, it's mind blowing. It's huge. That's going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Any, uh, any final thoughts that you want to, what do you want people to take away from our conversation? That's a good question. I guess, I mean, really more than anything, if something's placed on your heart, you gotta, you, you have to follow that. Um, and this was placed on my heart 10 years ago or so, maybe longer. And, um, I'm glad that I listened and I didn't postpone it any longer. Um, and I think the other thing I really took away, um, you know, I've always sort of thought I'd love to through hike the Appalachian Trail one day. And that's a massive undertaking. That's like, we're talking six months of hiking as opposed to a week. Um, and kind of like, as I was preparing for this, I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do Tahoe. That'll be, you know, a good introduction to through hiking and yet like still sane enough that I can wrap my head around it and not, um, you know, even if I make mistakes, it's not going to be the end of the world. You know, um, if I pick the wrong pair of shoes or the wrong backpack, I'm not tied to them for six months. You know, I can get through a couple of weeks. Um, and then I thought, okay, then I can do, you know, I can do the Arizona trail cause that's 800 miles. That'll be about 30 days. And, um, you know, that'll be a, a good next step. And when I walked away from Tahoe, I was like, you know what? I do not feel passionate about the Arizona trail. Um, I love the Grand Canyon and that North Flagstaff area, but the thought of hiking, for two weeks or three weeks through the desert does not interest me whatsoever. <laughs> um, and so I think that that's the other thing that I kind of took away was like, I really, I need to listen to my heart because it's telling me where to go. Um, so there's, there's a lot of other trails that are shorter than the Appalachian Trail and that I can just get out on for a few days at a time and keep practicing with my gear and, you know, keep getting more experience. But um, yeah, I think just that follow your heart. I love it. Thank you so much, Mary. Now we're going to make some pizza. Yes. Yay. Yeah. Love to high feed our guests. Pies. Yeah, we're making some <laughs> high vibe pie. I'm so glad I wrote a cookbook. Uh, I'm using one of my recipes tonight. And uh, yeah, I'm like, why Why does she have us doing this? Like, why do I have to saute this? The, uh, I'm and I'm like, oh, wait, I'm questioning myself. That's so funny. Thank you so much. Um, can't wait to spend some more time with you and, and dive you. into some beautiful food. Um, Peace. Peace.